0: This is the Black Creative Handbook with your host Cassandra Lauren Gordon. This podcast will help to inspire, motivate and give that blueprint the manual for success for people in the creative businesses, for people from the African and Black diaspora to help us just move along, get that bag, and no more starving artist syndrome. No, out the door, co-work with us. Be with us and be successful and get the gems. You might have heard in the podcast or you're gonna hear it soon that this was called the Creative For You podcast, don't worry about that, it's created For You. Let's be successful and be positive. Okay, welcome to the Created For You podcast. It's Cassandra and I'm here with... Don't leave me hanging. Who who, who am I here with? (laughs) So, you're here with (laughs) Siddharth. Great. And Siddharth, what do you do? Um, I
1: am an online business manager. Um, I call myself a possibility ambassador. But um, in real terms, um, in, in a way that people will understand, I am an online business manager and business process strategist. And also a virtual assistant
0: coach. Wow, that's a lot there. I'm sure we're gonna <laughs> unpack it as we go through. So this podcast is about how people like yourselves. I I don't want to put labels on people who own a business, work for themselves, and yeah. how they help their clients. And how do you get lots of leads? Because I feel that the basis is just like the customer experience, like mm-hmm. it should be like excellent, and then lots of things will follow that's my philosophy yeah. but me and you might have a different uh, way of looking at things so we'll, we'll talk about that later so mm-hmm. before we get into the nitty-gritty of all the lovely specialist things what you do yeah. i just wanted you know people buy from people so mm-hmm. i always think like let's talk about you sadel first then business second yeah. okay cool okay. and usually what i ask people is what advice would you give your 18 year old self
1: my 18-year-old self, I think um, worry less about what people think because it's none of your business. Okay. I think that is the key thing. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood and teenage years and early adult years being concerned with, oh, if I do this, they'll think that and um, and feeling like my place in the world was to always seek permission. Mm. Um, as opposed to just doing things and feeling confident in my resolve if that makes sense like I've never been fearful of doing things in general like I'm, I'm quite passionate and very curious as a person and so I will think things and then just do it because I think it's a good idea and I'm convicted but then there will be moments where I think, oh, but what if? And then I start overthinking what other people might think and what other mm. people might say. Not mm. because I don't think it's a good idea, but just because I'm fearful of being criticised or being told that um, I don't belong in this particular space or um, that people who look like me don't do those things. Mm. That was always a common thing growing up. Mm. So, So, yeah, I would tell my 18-year-old self, to
0: um ignore what other people think of you because it's none of your business okay I I felt that I felt I felt that in my I felt that in my chest because it's just like it's, it's it's hard navigating through certain spaces and you're just trying to be yourself and people are just trying to get on you but you know and it's interesting how you become As a full-fledged adult, you're talking about you're the possibility ambassador. So we're going to get into that, you know, how you turn Mm -hmm. all these challenges into possibilities. Okay, so what advice would you give to your 27-year-old self?
1: Oh, 27 is a funny age. Yep. I'm trying to think, what was I doing when I was 27? Um, I think just have more fun. By the time I was 27, like, I'd been working... I've worked since I was 14, um, and even though I was in education and I went to uni and hated it and left, because I just wasn't about that life, and decided I just wanted to work. So by the time I was 27, I was probably seven years, maybe six, into full-time work, um, and I was living my best life. I loved it. I was happy. I was independent, I was living, you know, away from home, and um, I can't remember exactly where I was working at that moment in time, but I think I'd tell my 27-year-old self to try and have a little bit more fun in terms of not taking everything so seriously, mm. like, there doesn't have to be... I'm trying to think how to phrase it. It does have to be an end goal. Like, everything I do is with purpose.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's very rare that I am spontaneous and I don't know where this particular thing I'm doing is going. Mm. Like, I've already worked it out. I'm very process-driven. So even in my my own time, in my personal time, I'm still very process-driven. So it's always, I'm doing this because it's going to lead to that because that's going to lead to this. Mm -hmm. So... I think there needed to be less of that at that age. Mm. I, just, I needed to chill a bit more and stop
2: worrying.
0: Mm. I'm a worrier, I think. Yeah, I hear you. Worry. I still worry now and I'm, mm. I'm past 37, so I need to yeah. take some of that advice. Because <laughs> you worry and then that time is worry gone. Still, worrying like a, steals the joy
1: from your life. Yes. Because it's, it's one of those things where it's like guilt. Guilt's a wasted emotion. You feel guilty and then what? where does that go? What do you do with it? It's just, it's, the, it's pointless. When you worry, you're worrying in general about something that either hasn't happened yet or something that's already happened that you can't change.
2: Mm.
1: Whereas if you live in the present, there's no real reason to worry. Mm. Take it as it comes, be as prepared as you can be
2: mm.
1: and it will work itself out. But worrying serves no purpose. So, mm. yeah.
0: For the birds... <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had this advice at 27. It would have saved me a lot of um, time of my life. But, yeah, it's just weird because I feel like when I was approaching 30, it was just like, God, get all this done before you're 30. God, do this. 30. You need to get married. You need to get kids. You need to start a business. You need to do, 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 do. I'm just like, by 30? I'm like, what you mean? And then yeah. and literally, and when 30 happened, everything went, not like I've accomplished that. It's just that anxiety gone because it was just like, I'm 30 now, so what? <laughs> all that years it's just crazy okay cool so what are you curious about right now
1: i didn't really have that kind of oh my god i'm gonna be 30 what was up with my life mm-hmm. moment that i saw a lot of my girlfriend's kind of experience and i think that was possibly because my mom was very laid back i come from a very young family mm. Uh, my parents are really young, so there's an element of carefreeness and my mum in particular is very liberal. And also my mum was first generation British. Mm. Even though I come from Caribbean background, most of my friends' parents were the next generation above my mum, but the generation beneath my grandparents. Mm. So my parents were a funny age compared to my friends whose parents mostly came to England. Mm. Um, who had quite different outlooks on life, mm. um, whereas we were the me and my sister were the ones with the cool mom who would tell you about yourself. <laughs> you, but she also gave you freedom to just to kind of live and be and and create and whatever. So by the time my friends were panicking, oh, I'm going to be thirty and I'm not married, or I'm going to be thirty and I don't have a baby, or I don't have the house and the car and all the material things that they. You know, thought that we'd have by the age, was not even thinking about those things it didn't even factor. It was just like, oh, 30's a nice milestone age, I'm going to have a party. And I had a, I had a birthday party, a themed birthday party, which was, um, hall Kings and Queens. <laughs> and,
0: it was brilliant. What? That, that's, that's, did you dress yeah. up as a Dancehall, um, character or Dancehall theme? Did, did you dress yeah.
1: up? Dancehall um, Queen, i my, um, my wigs and my glitter and, and what colour stone. My wig was black, it was long, like down to my elbows, fringe, um, gaudy makeup, um, some really short shorts, denim shorts with like stones and bits cut out of them and fishnets and yeah, it was a lot of a lot of um, eyesore. But um, it was a lot of fun and that was that was me entering my thirties and on a high.
0: So. Oh, God. I feel okay, like so I continue. need to do that for my, first, my My birthday's coming up, not soon, but in July, if yeah. the environment really? will let me have my birthday, um, oh, that sounds like oh, I'm going to borrow yeah. that, because <laughs> I need to, <laughs> yeah, oh, I need to it's borrow it. that, you, oh my I god. I have
1: birthday parties, they're the most fun. Okay. If you've got friends, though, that's if you've got friends, to ah. partake in your silliness, because some people are just too serious, they won't dress up, so... Yeah, you've got to have the right kind of mix of friends that are going like, to actually get involved.
0: You know, it makes it fun. Okay, I'm still thinking about that idea. But the thing is, going a bit off topic, <laughs> the thing is that like, I see my friends on my birthday, but I don't see them all year round. So I'm just like, I just don't, I don't understand that. Like, I, I'm, I appreciate where you all come, like 30, 40 people come for a dinner. But I'm like, why can't mm. I see you all year round? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's, I know. it's, it's London it's life.
1: London, that's London life now. yeah. Everyone's so busy. I think people are so busy being busy. Mm. And we just take a step back and just try and make time to enjoy our relationships a bit more. I
0: hear you. I hear you. Okay. So before all that, I was going to ask you, what were you curious about now? What what are you most curious about?
1: Now or in general?
0: In general now? Doesn't matter. Mm.
1: Um, I I think growing up, I've always been curious. I was curious as a child. When I was five, I set fire to my bedroom. Wow. On, perp- on purpose. <laughs> um, because I was curious about fire. And it was very deliberate. act, And it was a very... And I was very calm about it. And I explained to my mum why I did it. And, yeah, that was, you know, an interesting time, shall we say. And... Um, and growing up, I've always been like, oh, "I wonder what will happen if I do this, and I wonder what will happen if I do that." And often, I find out things the hard way, but I also learn a lot. I'm fearless in that sense, that, mm. you know. That lived, I've always lived by the mantra: I "Feel the fear and do it anyway." And lots of things are very scary, but what's the real worst that can happen? Mm. So, I would say in my in my most recent years, my curiosity has kind of shaped my business mm. um, in the sense that I'm curious about tech and processes in particular. And so I'm often online searching for tools or I'll receive an email from somebody um, that is presented in a particular way and I go, oh, that looks interesting. I wonder how they did that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start like, hovering over links in an email to work out what the program is that enabled them to do something or I'll see the name of something and then I'll go and search for it, find the program and teach myself how to use it in a week. And then like, then that's it. That's how I learn most things. I'm not particularly academic. I don't learn very well from um, kind of academia. Um, I have to actively do things for it to stick. And so I'll go and like a program called Airtable that I use almost daily that's like a spreadsheet tool, straight database. It's like Excel on speed, <laughs> for whatever better way to put it. And it's a brilliant tool. And anytime I show it to anyone and kind of teach them how to use it, people are blown away and they're like, How do you know this stuff? Like, where did you find this? And I'm like, I stumbled across it and then I just taught myself how to use it. Okay. And like, who, who does that? I'm like, Me. <laughs> somebody I had that conversation just yesterday and I was showing someone how to do something with it and they were like I didn't even know it done that I've been using it for a year and I was like well I don't know just trial and error.
0: Trial and error that's that sounds like life that sounds like my life right now trial and error. (laughs) i'm telling you but i just have to i'm learning as i get older just to have the faith and and, and the patience and you know nothing comes easy in life so you have to always oh, if you want something you also have to work for it so that's what yeah you do i have to do that but what is mm-hmm. all i heard well the most thing i heard was like excel on on speed and excel is just tricky <laughs> so i don't understand i don't understand Did, could you explain the, the tool yeah so Airtable is a it's a
1: database tool primarily Um, when you look at it in its rawest form, it just looks like a spreadsheet and it doesn't look particularly exciting. But then when you start delving into using it, you realise that it has quite dynamic fields. Mm. So you can have text in it, um, but you can also have images in it. You can imagine you've got an Excel spreadsheet and and saving a PDF document within a cell. Mm. It's impossible, you can't do that. But with Airtable, you can. And... You can have um, sheets that speak to each other, so the databases speak to each other. Um, They have dynamic fields in that you can make a field specific for an email address or a telephone number or just a text or for numerical data or a date field. Mm. Um, And then you can save documents within it as well. And then So you can use it for all sorts of things like CRM database Mm. or... content calendar for you to schedule out your social media Mm -hmm. um i use it as a receptacle as well to just save passwords and credentials for things
2: Mm.
1: yesterday i was showing um, a client how to turn her in-person yoga classes into um online classes that she can do via video streaming and so we set up an application process so that people can register and make payment, Mm -hmm. and we used Airtable to create the form. But she couldn't understand, she was like, I didn't understand why we're using a spreadsheet. I I need a registration form. I was like, bear with me, have faith. Mm. I just need you to, we we go through it. You just need to tell me what questions you need to ask potential um, participants, and you're gonna be blown away when you see what it's gonna look like when we finish. And she was like, okay. She was very skeptical. Um, and we did it, and then I pressed the button, and she gasped. Good. Because <laughs> she was Good. just like, How did you get from a spreadsheet to that? And it's like,
0: That's what it does. <laughs> Yeah, what it does. you see. So it's really so that's interesting. I'm going to go delve into your business now. So at the start, yeah. you said so much different things. What what you've done, but you said online business manager. Could you give us a glossary mm-hmm. for this for our listeners about all the the terms that you use? Go ahead, EA, APA, all that. And I just want yeah. to just clear clear the air. Like okay, so um, I'm an online business manager,
1: which basically means that I help. Um, for me, personally, I help service-based businesses. So I mostly work with coaches and consultants and industry experts who work in the online space or I work in the online space to help them support and manage their businesses. So even if their business is not solely online, I work solely online So that mm. makes sense. So, um, so that's the term in a kind of official, official capacity. Um, I'm also... Seeing myself as a possibility ambassador Which is a title that I adopted from my late mum Who was a possibility ambassador Her take on possibilities is on turning around the word disabled Mm. And saying that there are always possibilities Irrespective of your disability
2: Mm. And so
1: I would say possibilities spelled P-O-S hyphen Ability as opposed to possibility, the way that we know it. Mm. So, um, her focus was always as a person who had a disability, quite severe disability. She was always focused on society needs to stop lamenting over people's disabilities and focus on what people can do.
2: Mm. Because if
1: you have a severe disability, Mm. there are always lots of things that you can do, regardless.
2: Mm. So,
1: why are we focused on the things that people can't do? And so then her catchphrase of there are always possibilities was born and then I kind of adopted that and so I nicknamed her a possibility ambassador and then when she passed which was in 2016 I adopted the title mm-hmm. um and actually because it fits the ethos of the business mm-hmm. it worked well so it was, it was an emotional decision um coupled with kind of
0: practicality if mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. It's very touching, it's like, you, you, like you're you taking the baton, if you will, living through yeah. what your mum has, has yeah. started and it carries through you through your values and practically every day in your business. So comes definitely, comes full circle. Definitely. Okay. And then the other aspect of being a VA coach
1: is just, you know, I've got 24 years experience in executive business support and I just got to a point where people kept saying to me, why don't you train PAs on how to be a VA? And I was like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Mm. Just not really in my bag. Mm. And I, I wasn't really overly fussed about it. And then the more I have been kind of nurturing some relationships online with more emerging virtual assistants, and then it got to the point where people like, why don't you teach people how to do this? Like somebody asked a question in a yeah. forum, somebody likes to do uh, virtual assistant and online business management forums and people would be like how do you know that <laughs> it's just a constant question that comes up and then it will be can you show us how to do that and I'm like yeah cool so I might do a like 20 minute video call with somebody and show them how to use a particular tool or tell them the process for something like um a couple of weeks ago I was in a group and people were talking about emerging VAs always have the same question, Listen, like they just they they will ask What's the best website to have? What should I call my business? In? What tool can I use to do X, Y, and Z? And so you just see the same question. And then it got to the point one day where I was just like, look, this whole question about, do I need a website in order to be a virtual assistant? No, you don't. You don't? So I explain, no. explain why. You don't, because you don't need a website. A website is a tool, it's a vehicle. You need a portfolio. So you don't need a CV, because you're not an employee and you don't need a website, a website is a nice to have, it's not an essential have at the beginning of your journey so when you're looking at okay, you want to start this journey mm-hmm. and you have this amount of money to invest in setting up your business
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, what do you need first? Mm-hmm. You, need a domain, you need a domain name because you need to own a piece of the, of the world wide web mm-hmm. and, your, and your place within it and you need to make sure that you have a professional email address that. that it's part of your domain, mm-hmm. there's no point in having, you know, Stewart.com and then my email address that I use for business being gmail.com mm-hmm. and it doesn't help to build the like, know and trust elements that you need to be building with a potential audience, because it's like, is she a real business? I want to do business with her, but I've received this email and it's a Gmail address, mm-hmm. or it's, an, it's a Yahoo address with, you know, your date of birth in the address, like, no, we get grip. Um, let's be professional out here.
2: So Mm, mm. I'm
1: always saying to people, you don't need a website, you need a portfolio. As long as you have something that you can showcase your work and your capabilities and your skills, that's all that people want to see. If a client has an issue or they have a need for support with a particular thing, they just want to know, are you capable? Are you within their budget? Can they see the value in what you could potentially bring to their business? The answer is yes. And you can demonstrate that. Mm. That's all that matters. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a website for you to demonstrate that. You just have to be professional, um, courteous, and show that you know what you're doing. Mm. So I, I tend to encourage people to have a one-pager or a PDF um, that is, has embeddable links within it or um, something similar. And there are tools that you can use to create alternatives to websites. And you can, there are tools you can use to create alternatives to websites and attach your domain name so that online it presents as a website even though you haven't invested yet in a proper website.
0: Ooh, I need to know about that life. <laughs> I need to know about that
1: life. It depends, it depends what you need it, depends it for. depends what it is. Some, if, it's, if it's just showcasing yourself, if it's just that someone can put your name in a search engine and find you online, that will suffice. If it's just that somewhere where you've got your products and your services, and your pricing that will suffice if you're trying to build a following and you want to do a blog then that's a whole different kettle of fish if you're a blog if you're sorry if you're a web developer you can't get away with not having a website that's just never going to fly i'm coming to you for and I'm, I'm coming to you for something that you don't have yourself I mean, no, okay the black like, no, trust. do you
0: know what i mean so like, impressions count first impressions count work. okay so so, so ea and va what's the difference
1: Versus system, so they they can sometimes be um, part of a trajectory. So you can back in the day when I when I started working in the world of um, business support, we're talking a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. When I started, people used to still smoke at their desk.
2: Wow. Imagine
1: Like actual cigarette at their desk with a cup of coffee <laughs> inside the building, windows closed. Like it's mad, and then you kind of in those days you kind of would start so-called at the bottom and work your way up so you might be an administrator or a clerical um or sorry or a clerk or a um or an administrative assistant or receptionist and then you kind of you know you work hard and you then might be a secretary to a team of people and then become a team secretary And then you become a personal assistant to a leader within the business. So let's say you worked in sales and there were lots of different salespeople. And so you were part of a team secretary um, collective of maybe three or four other secretaries. And then over time, you kind of worked towards working for one particular person. So it might be that you worked for the regional sales manager. Mm -hmm then you would become a personal assistant just to that particular person. Mm. And back in the day, people had PAs to themselves, Mm -hmm. which was luxurious. You don't have those things anymore. Like now, if you're a PA, you tend to work for, um, you tend to work one to three or more. Um, And then you'd go from being a PA to being an executive assistant, which made you ordinarily would work for a C-suite exec, so chief exec, Chief um, Operating Officer, Chief Marketing Officer, um, Chief Financial Officer, one of the directors, mm. so one of the executives on that level would make you an executive assistant. And that's kind of where you go. That's kind of the next level up. Well, at least it was then. I think now it's a bit more fluid. Mm. Uh, it really The title just depends on HR and what they label that role as opposed to necessarily who you work for. And generally speaking, like I say, it's quite rare in a lot of industries now to have a PA per person. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only kind of exception to that might be financial services. Like when I used to work in investment banking, you might be a PA or an EA to a banker,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it might just be you and that one banker mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they have so much going on. Mm-hmm really support more than one person Mm -hmm. depends on the department that you work in
0: okay so thank you for that. Now I know. Now I feel yeah. like now I know all of the the acronyms <laughs> and everything. So I won't. hopefully I won't offend anybody in that in in that industry. Um, yeah, cuz I, I always I always I always want out. to know like what's the difference between PA EA VA? I don't know virtual assistant, and you're virtual, but you know, everything's yeah. online now, but so, yeah. that's what I was gonna, I was about
1: to say, I missed out on virtual assistant actually. And and virtual assistant is becoming one of those things where the term VA doesn't, very, doesn't mean very much. And that's quite unfortunate because on one hand, there was a time when being a virtual assistant just meant being a virtual personal assistant. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean that anymore. And it's become a massive umbrella term mm. that basically could mean so many different things. So you might have a generalist VA who does um, pretty much PA duties, secretarial duties, Then you might have a tech VA, which is what I would have considered myself to be more in line with, um, which Which is is somebody who does specific types of support work, usually around helping online businesses to manage digital marketing, um, to manage launches of products or services. So maybe, like, someone's going to launch a course or a membership or a mastermind, or a retreat, something of that nature, you might be the person that assists them with that from a tech point of view. So the funnels, the sales funnels, the, the email sequences, um, the CRM, the membership site, mm-hmm. all of those moving parts. If you're the person that's going to help to kind of do that, the email, um, automated marketing, all of those elements, those are very techy. I think there will be people that know those tools inside out and they consider themselves to be tech VAs and so they earn um, more than a journalist VA would. And then you have VAs who solely do social media management. Um and they still consider themselves to be virtual assistants. Some people do graphic design, some web developers call themselves virtual assistants, which I don't quite get, to mm. be honest. But um I think it's I think being a VA is more in line with administrative functions than anything else but like I say it's become quite blurred and mm. so I encourage people to kind of move away from the title a little bit and find something a little bit more fitting for them personally depending on what mm. they do which is why I like to say to people yeah I'm a possibility ambassador and they go oh what's that mm. and, then can, and then I can elaborate and, and steer the conversation whereas if I say to somebody I'm a virtual assistant, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just mm. a very blanket term and they go, oh, okay. Or they, or they say, oh, it sounds very, it sounds very futuristic and they'll kind of give you that kind of laugh mm. that means they're not interested, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're not interested, they're just being polite. <laughs> okay, so you can get a quick, a quick no, very, very, very quickly, depending on how you present yourself to potential clients. Okay, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. So now mm-hmm. we're moving on to the clients now. So mm-hmm. it seems like you work mostly in the service industry or personal service industry with, you said, um, coaches and, I don't know, yoga people. People who give that per- one-to-one or group yes. services. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're with them and you agree, no, 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 let me take a step back. How do you get, client, how do you get the clients and how do you show v- <laughs> v- value to them? How? Um, do you know what? To be really honest, it's mostly online, mm-hmm. as the first part,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and but the majority of my clients, probably 75% of my clients, possibly more, 75 to 80% of my clients come through
2: referrals.
1: Oh. So people I've worked with who've recommended me to somebody else, and then it becomes, oh, yeah, you should work with Sid, she's amazing at this, or I know somebody who's got that particular skill set you should have a conversation and see if there's any leverage in it for the two of you. And it kind of works that way. And I usually have a, I have a referral scheme. So for people, external people who make referrals to me that that end up resulting in business, I pay £50 pounds in the form of an Amazon gift voucher or a John Lewis gift voucher if you're based in the UK. And if it's a client who recommends somebody and they become a client, then it's £100. Pounds off of their next um, bill. So wow. there's that too. Um, which is a nice incentive. But outside of that, I think the other twenty five to the other twenty to twenty five percent of my clients come through social media. So it's yeah. either people I already know on social media who know what I do and so it's still kind of recommendation because they come through Facebook as a vehicle or it's me in particular spaces online, seeing that uh, someone has a particular need and responding mm-hmm. in a way that it tells them I might be able to help them and I encourage them to book a discovery call and let's see what's possible or I'm trying to think how else. Or, yeah, somebody will tag me in a conversation on, online and mm-hmm. then I'll end up speaking to that potential client and okay. seeing if
0: it's a good fit. So it seems like the power of the referral is key for your business, especially with people who like yeah. for your for your industry and also having these warm con- contacts. So it's not seems like you're doing a lot of cold calling. So people come to you or when you're in a certain space, you you're offer you're off of value. And that's the kind of yeah. entry point for your clients, I guess. OK, yeah, so definitely. you meet the client. Yeah. I know every business is different. So you meet the client and then. How do you create this memorable customer experience or client experience? How do you do that?
1: Um, I do that through process. So I have a very regimented on my side. Mm. Behind the scenes, you know, like you, you know how people talk about having a swan where it's all moving gracefully, mm. and then underneath the, the water, you know, it's it's, it's mm. um the pedaling frantically. It's not particularly frantic, mm. but there are a lot of there's lots of moving parts. Mm. And so, my onboarding process or my point of entry into my business always starts with a discovery call. So that's an automated process that nurtures the potential client in through the door, mm-hmm. and so it's, hi, how are you, come in, <laughs> mm-hmm. take a seat, mm-hmm. and then, um, and basically if it was the person, that's what it would look like, mm-hmm. so it's, um, you, can, you can choose a time in my diary that suits your schedule, so already, I'm um, always thinking of the client, it's not about when I'm free, it's, I'm empowering you to book a time that works for mm-hmm. your schedule, mm-hmm. here's my calendar, mm-hmm. it's transparent, mm-hmm. pick a time that works for you, mm-hmm. and then once that person. And chooses a the time, there are some questions that, um, that that are involved in that process that a form will naturally ask them, which helps me to prepare for that meeting. Mm. I can do some research, have a little read-up and come to the meeting with some prior knowledge of them and what they do mm. um, and in addition that form asks them a few questions around what their current challenges are mm. um, so that I've got a sense of how I can best help them and it's not a case of we come on a call and it's completely cold and completely blind and we're starting from scratch. Mm. I've already got something to work with. And then once they book that call, Mm -hmm. they receive an automated email which basically just thanks them for taking the time to book themselves in the diary and also just just gives them some expectation
2: Mm. of what we'll discuss on the
1: call, how long we'll have to have a discussion so that it doesn't turn into a kind of you know, um, a meandering meeting that just has no kind of new purpose. It is very succinct. This is how long we'll have. This is what you can expect. You'll have an opportunity, obviously, to ask as many questions as you as you want to. Um, and then, following our meeting, this is what you can expect the next steps to be. Mm. So it actually has given them some insight into how this is going to work. Um, and then, when we have the meeting, generally we'll go through what the challenges are in a bit more detail. I spend a lot of that meeting listening more than I do talking mm. and making notes and then considering is this a good fit from a personality mm. point of view? Like, do I get a good vibe? Am I excited about the potential of solving this issue that they have? Um, which is really key for me and it's something I've hung over the years. If my gut says no, I don't do it. it it's just an innate thing. I don't ignore that feeling anymore. There have been times in the past, um, in my earlier days of business, and I've been in business like 10 years now, um, it, there were points when it was like, oh, I don't know, I'm not really sure, that made me feel uncomfortable, or that made me feel uneasy, or actually this work's not particularly interesting, I don't think I want to do it, and then following through for whatever reason, sometimes not knowing how to say no, or not knowing how to pivot from that situation. Or being like, well, you know, it's going to pay, so let me do it anyway. Those decisions are always poor and they always bite you later down the line. So I just don't do those things anymore. Um, But having that opportunity to have that discussion and ascertain whether the person's a good fit for you, whether your values are aligned, like you can tell so much if you just pay attention.
2: Mm, mm. So
1: having that discussion, and then if it's a good fit and you can help them, Providing a proposal, mm. trying to stick to the, the parameters of the timelines that you give. So if, they, if you say you're going to get a proposal in two or three days, then get it to them. Give them time to kind of digest that and then follow up. Mm. I think lots of people send out proposals and they never follow up. And then they don't hear back from the person.
2: Mm.
1: And they just like, oh, that was a waste of time. I didn't get that client. Mm. And it's like, well, did you, did you nurture them? Did you go back? you follow up Mm. sometimes people don't get back to you not because they don't need you like I've got a client at the moment we've worked together for three years it took me five months to get him on board not because he wasn't interested just because he was busy Mm.
2: Mm. (laughs) he
1: he said yes in principle over the phone I sent him the paperwork by email for him to digitally sign it and he just never signed it and in the end, because he lived in London and worked in London, I physically went and met him and got him to sign the paperwork in person. And then we started work following Monday. But I had not been willing to do that. And in general, I do work 100% virtually, so I don't generally meet people face-to-face. I've got some clients I've never met before. Um, but I knew him because I've worked with him before. So it was interesting. It was that like perseverance. Mm. got him to sign on the dotted line but if I hadn't have gone and met him it probably wouldn't have happened because he was just never going to download the document PDF, sign it, scan it send it back to me even though like, he didn't even need to do it in that way Well, not nowadays anyway at that time that was only three years ago but now technology's moved on way, way more than that so you've got to be kind of you've got to be flexible mm.
2: I
0: think
1: it's
0: another mm. aspect of mm. your kind of bringing clients on board. Okay. So it seems like, it, you know, building a relationship, being nurturing, perseverance, listening, putting your client focus and making sure it's personalised, but you still have your systems to make sure mm-hmm. that you always check on them and provide a very good service. So the client's probably thinking, what value can you give to me? <laughs> That's what I think. What value mm. can you give to me? And, and how do you create business systems for, for, for your clients? Why, why should they go with your services?
1: The reason I think I create value um, with clients specifically is that paying attention. So when I'm listening to what their pain points are, I'm listening for keywords, I'm listening to their tone of voice, I'm listening to the inflections in their tone of voice and the way they're speaking about Mm. certain things. People. their, their, their whole body language changes, which is why I also do video calls as opposed to just doing telephone calls. You can get a lot if you just pay attention and listen to where the spaces are and the things that they talk
2: about.
1: Um. And also dig a little bit deeper because most of the challenges people are having are not directly related to the things that they're doing. Mm. They're usually related to the things they don't get to do so the time they don't have to spend with their loved ones Mm. the time they don't have to follow their passions, the time they don't have to work on their business instead of always working in their business they just, um, they're frustrated often and so in terms of the process and the systems I'm always looking for ways that I can work on the three pillars that I focus on which is productivity, profitability and professionalism three Mm p's
2: and
1: so if someone's got an issue where does that fit within those three and how can I give them more time back so make them more productive so that they're actually achieving stuff they're not just Mm -hmm. busy for business sake how can I help them be more professional which Mm -hmm. always comes down to the slickness of the process and how can I help them to be more uh, profitable, so mm. what could they be doing less of? Mm. I help them to do automated rather than in real time mm. so that they can actually spend their time in being customer focused mm. because that's what most people want in mm. a service based business. People want to be face to face servicing their clients, or they want to be working on their business. Just those two mm. camps. And by having processes and systems, that frees people up to be able to do that. Mm. It it makes things work in a more streamlined way. They can forget about it. And it's not everything they want to forget about. Mm. Some people want to hold on to something because people's behaviours generally tend to be set in stone. Mm. Oh, I don't know if I can give that up. I've always done it, and you're like, mm. but why are you doing it? You don't need to be doing it. You are the CEO in your business, not the administrator and the receptionist and the office junior and the graphic designer and the HR person. Like, let go. Mm. And so I'm always joking. Like one of my um, one of my core phrases in my business is stop. Um, hashtag doing all of the things
2: so that's kind of stop
1: doing all of the things you, you can't do everything and do everything well being a jack of all trades and a master of none doesn't make any sense you don't serve anybody mm. if you are somebody who charges I don't know let's say you charge um, 75 to 100 pounds an hour to coach someone on a, on a, on a lower scale let's say that's what you charge but then you insist on doing your invoicing yourself. Why? Because you've always done it. That's not a good enough reason. You're busy. You've got things to be doing. Or mm. well, why, why are you doing your own social media posting? Because you've always done it, and it doesn't take you long. It takes you ages. You just don't realize because you don't time it. And people think, the things that people think take them 20 minutes generally take them an hour. And the things that they think, doesn't, the things that they don't realise bleeds their time are the things that they spend so much time doing, and then they wonder why they don't have time to do the things that actually are revenue generating. Mm-hmm. Doing your post, doing your social media posts every day and spending an hour a day per social platform, let's say you use two different platforms, two hours a day, that's ten hours a week. You've just wasted. And if your time is worth £100 an hour, it's not hard to do the math. You could pay somebody 25 to £30 pounds an hour to do that for you, yeah, you're going to spend 25 to £30 pounds an hour, but what are you going to get on, what's the return on your investment going to be? And I think that, that, that often business owners don't really think in that way, they just see it as, well, that's going to be an expense rather than an investment, mm. or that's going to be a waste of time when I know how to do it myself, rather than seeing it as, well, yeah, but I could be spending my time on this high level work, the stuff that's gonna help me achieve my strategic goals, whilst I'm over here doing stuff that I can pay somebody else to do so that I can focus. It's a real, um, it's a mind shift. People really need to spend time. It's a, it's a lot of work to get people to shift their mind. Um, but it is something that I kind of work towards doing with my clients from the beginning. Is kind of educating them on why they have taken this route and how it's going to be beneficial. Mm. And generally speaking, within two to three months, people see it. In the first month, people see, oh, do you know they have that moment of, of an exhale, of, they feel relieved
2: mm. because mm.
1: suddenly they've got a little bit more time back.
2: Mm.
1: By the time you get to the end of three months, they're like, why didn't I do this ages ago? Like it starts to just Click. not
0: make sense mm. why are they just muddled through. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I see so you try to because people people as you said always see the work but don't see the benefits or the time saved yeah. them getting spend that that time of getting more business which is more viable, the money bit than just uh, I want to save x amount for, for 30 quid you know what I mean what's that when you can get 10 tenfold that if you're doing the money making or the high level things what you're supposed to be doing
1: Okay. Yeah, and, and also mm. nurturing the own clients as well because I think there's a lot of emphasis from people, mm. so you need to be doing this to get clients, you need to be doing that to get clients yeah you've got clients now, what are you doing to keep those clients, Yes, it's much more cost effective to hold on to the clients you have than it is to um, to get new ones mm. because those clients will stay with you if they, if they find value in what you're delivering, mm. they'll stay they'll tell other people, mm. so then you don't even need to spend as much time doing outreach, doing prospecting, doing marketing. You should always be marketing your business, but you don't have to put so much emphasis on it when you've got other people doing PR for you because they're telling people how great your services. Mm. So it's about having the, the freedom and the time to invest in building those relationships, knowing that these other elements are being taken care of.
0: Great. So what I'm hearing is word of mouth, power of the referral, nurture your... Um, your current um, clients and then if have time and if it's in, in the processes, go for new ones. So before we wrap up, there's a few things I wanted to ask you quickly. There's one about, yeah. okay, suppose you're, a, you're an entrepreneur, you don't have so much budget, but you want things all automated, but still want your help. Like, How can you help people to automate some processes? What can give a starting entrepreneur time?
1: Um that can just be a case of okay where are you at 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 the moment Mm. like taking stock of of where you are in your business right now what's most important for you um is it nurturing sorry not nurturing is it automating processes that bring people into your business say from a client acquisition point of view Mm. or is it nurturing the onboarding process of what person has agreed to come on board this is how this process works what can they expect from you how are you going to work with them going forward Um, or is it a case of automating your marketing, so helping you with your lead generation, so your scheduling of your social media, your blogs, your your LinkedIn audience, that kind of thing. It's understanding what's key in the beginning, and then once those systems are put in place, that can be done via a, a business intensive, which is one of my core services, so having a two-hour deep dive with somebody and looking at whether it's their business processes or their lead generation or their client relationship management mm. and then saying, okay, now that we've had this discussion, I can see this is where you need the support and then making recommendations and then the person either, I pay, yeah, I get that. I can see where that's going to be beneficial. I want to go with that. And then you either do the one-off work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: put those systems in place, and then are living to it and they're good and they know, what, they know what they need. And If they ever have another need, they can come back to you. Or it's putting those systems in place and then having a person on a retainer so that yeah. you're, you're nurturing them. Mm. Um, every month, you're still doing the work. Mm. You're doing the touching points. And so how I work is I do the, the higher-level stuff, so the strategy around the systems and processes mm. which enable you to be more profitable, more productive, and more professional and then my team do the day-to-day implementation of you need someone to schedule your social media you need someone to help with your digital marketing you need somebody to do your diary management and your inbox management and liaise with your clients that side of things so okay then becomes a 360 kind of um all-round service
0: i'm gonna ask you something cheeky probably someone asked you before but i'm gonna be cheeky and this is what i'm not (laughs) i'm not i prepared you for so you're based in the uk you work all over the world, yeah. wherever you need to be. I mean, with, with clients, you know, you can yeah. provide it in. Why should I go with someone with the UK when I can just go abroad? Why? Because everyone's like, whenever, ah. because whenever I've talked to someone, who has VA, Cassandra, why do you just get a VA or someone from from the, the, the Philippines? They're, they're cheap. And I'm like, yeah. uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Tell me. I think that it comes down
1: to lots of different elements. For some people, it's values. Mm. I like to support um, British business. I'm Mm. part of the British economy. I want to work with other Brits to a degree. Um, However, I also work with the best person for the job. So it's a combination of things, and it also depends on what the task is. If I want somebody to help me with copywriting, I'm generally going to go with a native English speaker because it's going to have an impact on how they write copy. If it's something like um, social media marketing, for example, or somebody who knows how to use a particular tool, then it just comes down to who is the best fit in terms of their skills. And then on a secondary level, who do I gel with? Can I work with this person? am I going to be able to delegate to them without any issue. Is there going to be a time zone barrier? Um, I have got um, team members abroad and sometimes they're a few hours behind, sometimes they're a few hours in front. It just means that once we know what the time differences are, I know that on a particular task, I'm going to wake up in the morning and start my day at 10am, and that task is already going to be done, because they're ahead of me in terms of time. Mm-hmm. For something else, I can know that somebody's going to deliver that to me in the afternoon, mm-hmm. because that's their morning. That's their morning. Mm-hmm. So it's about having a mixture that's going to work with, A, your time zones and when you need stuff done, B, their skill set, or actually it's the other way around, but you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, their skill set is is key, and are you going to work with somebody abroad just because you want to pay them less? Because often that's the the argument that comes with why you should work with someone in the Philippines or in in India or um, in certain parts of the States. Um, People expect to get paid less. But really... I talk to a lot of business support professionals who are really frustrated by that. A lot of Filipino VAs are really frustrated because people exploit them to a whole new level. Like I've heard um, virtual assistants talk about being offered $3 an hour. Like that's insanity. And then people say, oh, well, the cost of living is lower. No one's cost of living is that low. Let's not be ridiculous. And two... What does that say about you and your brand? Like, mm. you just looking for slave labour, for want of a better expression, mm. or are you looking to pay a fair amount of money for a job well done? It's just that simple. You treat people with humility and respect, and they will do an amazing job for you. So I don't think it's really about where they're from. It's can they deliver in the time frame that you need, and will they do a job that is up to standard?
0: I Okay, mm-hmm. so we're going to finish on a best, like one of the best testimonials, one of the best kind of clients. What you've had, you you, you pick?
2: Oh,
1: in terms of testimonials, because I'm going to um, just explore my vanity for a moment. Um, one of the best testimonials I had was um, a client called Zena. Zena Tewitt. She is um, a consultant and she works in the creative industries. And she had a meeting with somebody, she had a meeting with an agency of some Mm. sort. And then she was on her way back from the meeting and she Mm. sent me a voice note and she said, Sid, I had to tell you, so I'm on the train, but I had to let you know Mm. that I had a meeting with this agency and they didn't stop raving about the experience that they had when they booked time with me. Mm. And Mm. basically they had booked time in her diary. And the way her system has been set up, when someone books time in her diary, well, immediately after they submit that um, that meeting request, they are taken to a page, a secret page on her website, as in it's not in the navigation menu, it's mm. not secret. <laughs> and it takes them to a page and has them sign an NDA. Mm. And, and then there's a page for them to enter their business details mm. so that if she has to invoice them, she already has them set up her mm. system. Mm. And before they even have a telephone discussion and NDA has already been signed by both parties. She was really excited because they were, like, really excited to do work with her because they just said she was so professional, so slick, and they were super impressed. And so she she let me know that. And that just, that, for me, is the kind of stuff that keeps me going day to day. When I'm having a rubbish day Mm -hmm. or or a day where I don't feel particularly motivated, Mm -hmm. those are the kind of memories that I draw for Mm -hmm. that reminds me why I do what I do. Mm, mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. Okay, that's very happy. And this nice like, Sunday, yeah. leave it on a high. <laughs> um, how can people get, get in contact with you, especially in these times that everything's so online now with this lovely pandemic? How can people contact you to sort out themselves since, they've got, since they're more um, homebound now?
1: Yeah, so people can find me on social media um, via my name accounts, really. I'm in the process of um, revamping all of my on Communications uh, channels online, mm. so they're kind of taken down at the moment. Just before the, all of this happened, actually, before this pandemic struck, I took my website offline, mm-hmm. which was was really terrible timing. Um, but I just want to get it. I just want to get it right before I put it back up.
0: But so, I'll, I'll put it all in the show notes. So whatever yeah. makes you decide, I'll put it yeah. on. So that'd be great. But you can
1: they can find me, Cydle C Y D E W L E. Stuart with an EW um, and I'm on all socials under the same name and um, yeah get in touch and can have a discovery call and see what's possible
0: yeah and it's free and it's
1: free yeah <laughs> you know, it's, it's a complimentary call um, just to get an understanding of needs and take it from there really and sometimes you know sometimes people don't need me and they don't realise that some people think they need a virtual assistant and they don't some people think they need an online business manager and they don't They need one-off support or they just need steering in a particular direction. Some Mm -hmm. people are not ready to work with support and that's another area where I sometimes get to kind of nurture people. It's like, yeah, you will need support, but these are the kind of things you need to do first. Or you need a system before you need a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. That is the core thing I'm always trying
2: to drum into people.
1: Having a virtual assistant... And not having systems first, you are setting your virtual assistant up to fail. Just are. They're coming in and they don't know what they're going to be doing. They're going to be working blindly. and, And you are going to feel frustrated as a business owner because the whole reason why you brought a VA on is to free you up. And here they are, demanding your time to show them how to do something. So you need to have the systems first. And then the VA will work with those systems to keep you afloat.
0: Okay. Well thank you, Sidel. Thank you for all your lovely guidance. I had an in-depth of business support life. And I'm sure yeah. our listeners will a lot of value, and I'm just sure people are gonna get in touch with you soon. So I appreciate it. So goodbye for now. Thank and thank you. My you. No, no worries, I much appreciate. And thank you. you for listening. All right, take care. take care. Thank you for listening to the Black Creative Handbook. Your handbook for success, the manual, what you need to get there keep on working with us please share comment rate us just help us out we help you you help us we're family speak soon next time same time next week show everybody love